to thank you again, especially today for being here. We're in the third week uh, uh, in a series on prayer, and I'll give you like a little insider information. The third week is always where you get down to it. It is sort of get into an idea, and we kind of, kind of hang out there in a space. And months ago, as we set up this uh, series on prayer, I really looked to this day as a, as a special day. So I'm glad you're here for it. And, you know, we, we don't control God's work in, in us and kind of how all of this plays out and how our schedules match up and who's where, when, but we can trust that God's at work and you're here. And I trust that that's for a reason, that God's doing something in us and in you and uh, through prayer. Uh, and, I, and I pray that at the, the end of today that you'll, you'll at least have the opportunity to have a moment uh, to let something go, to be set free, to find uh, a peace that you didn't have, to feel like a burden is lifted, a weight has come off. And I, pre- I think prayer can do all that. So we've been talking about prayer for a few weeks, and uh, we're calling this series The Prayers of the People uh, because um, it is sort of the work of the people. Liturgy is one of the words we use in the church. It literally means the work of the people. It shows that we're, like, we're doing something. There's a part that's God's part, and there's a, a part that's our part, and it's so mysterious to know which is which, to think that we talk to God, we communicate with God, and God communicates with us is so mysterious and, and wonderful, um, and uh, we don't understand it. So we've been trying to be honest about prayer. We all kind of, you, you know, talk about some of these things like we all know what it means, right? We, well, we all, oh yeah, we got that figured out. This is not something we all have figured out, and that's okay. And so I wanted to go, before we talk about forgiveness, I want to go to some prayers uh, that kids have, have been praying. We kind of found some this week that help us see that there are just these sort of things that we do. They're prayers that we pray. Uh, and uh, so um, they t- those teach us some things. These prayers of the people teach us something about our relationship with God. For one thing, prayer can be specific and can get right to the point. You can pray about anything. This is Ruth who said, Dear God, I think the stapler is one of your greatest inventions. Now, I'm guessing nobody came uh, this morning ready to give witness over office equipment. I'm guessing that's pro- probably not the case. But we can pray about anything and get right to it. We can pray and ask for anything, like little Sam who prayed, Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. <laughs> Sorry, son. <clears throat> Here's one. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there right now. That's legit, right? There's something to that, I think. Sometimes we negotiate with God, don't we? Like, as children, so here's a negotiation prayer. Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, and notice that genie lamp and Aladdin are underlined, so that's very, you know, make sure God gets it right. I'll give you anything you want. There's a negotiation. Except my money or my chess set. So, Raphael, we get it. We all negotiate. And we're all struggling to understand how prayer works who God is and how this communication with God thing goes. Dear God, are you a ninja? Jacob prays. Is that why I can't see you? That's deep, isn't it? There's something to that. Or Johnny, how come you didn't invent any new animals lately? We still just have all the old ones. (laughs) I don't know how that works, Johnny. Let's ask. These kinds of prayers reveal to us that prayer is... Is, is this thing that we do, and we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't even have to pray the right words. That, that engagement with God itself is part of the equation, 
and not knowing is, is, is part of the deal. Being able to talk to God and to work it out is one of the great privileges in life. But you know, there was one prayer, one cute kid's prayer that we didn't find. And maybe that tells us something too, because this kind of prayer maybe isn't so easy. Maybe isn't so natural. Is a thing that we all struggle with and trying to work it out with this thing with God and communicating to God. How do we work through the need to forgive? To find forgiveness in, in part of that relationship. Our relationship with God and then, of course, in our relationships with each other. And ultimately, in our relationship with ourselves. I appreciate so much our worship this morning. Uh, not just because Joel and Martha were singing together. But that was pretty great. Um, but because uh, we grounded the whole day so far in the story of God's goodness to us as the foundation for us to talk about forgiveness, because forgiveness is hard. It's been described as an unnatural act. It's been described as achingly difficult. And I think we can be honest about that, that we get tripped up and we don't know what to do with it. We get stuck, we get angry, we get bitter. And yet we find Jesus in the midst of the ultimate betrayal, in the high point of the, the, the crucifixion itself, between two thieves hanging on a cross, praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, because this is Jesus and because this is church, maybe we're not so surprised by this. Jesus, this is Jesus, Right? So this is what Jesus does, this is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus taught. Jesus taught us uh, to forgive as we have been forgiven. Jesus taught us to forgive our, uh, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, to uh, pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Taught us to pray not, uh, to, to forgive not just seven times, but 70 times, seven times, or 77 times, a lot of times. Jesus taught a lot about forgiveness, didn't he? In fact, it's been, uh, it's been said that maybe two-thirds of what Jesus teaches is directly or indirectly about this, about forgiveness. That, in fact, Jesus is the one who brings the idea of forgiveness into human existence, into the world, that Jesus is the in in inventor of this idea. Because it may seem natural for us to think of this, this is what Jesus does, but before Jesus, this was not a thing. You think about all the people that prayed to Zeus, not one of them asked for Zeus to forgive somebody. In fact, the way you understood God was like, that's the, God's the one who helps you get what you want, to get revenge, to get back at people. The, Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your enemy and uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy and that was the conventional wisdom of the day jesus taught about this because people had no idea about it the greek writer xenophon said that man should be able to give help to his friends and give trouble to his enemies now that prayer is easy for us right we can do that one the forgiveness one's harder cyrus of persia literally on his deathbed said this take note of my last words if you do good to your friends, you will also be able to punish your enemies. So back to those kids' prayers. We did find one a little bit more on this line. Um, this is um, uh, uh, Peter praying, Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, like, we'll never know what Dennis Clark did at camp last year, will we? Uh, but, uh, you know, the Psalms have these kinds of, even these kinds of prayers. Psalm 104, may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. There's something to that kind of prayer. We can long for the, 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 the world to be a better place. Psalm 55, which says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave. It is easy to feel that, and maybe we've prayed that. But Jesus gave us another way of thinking about the wrongs that have been done to us. Jesus, as a Princeton scholar has said, is the discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so this is a tender topic. And I want to just rest there for a second and talk about what forgiveness actually does, how it, how it functions in us, in terms of three different levels of goodness. That when, when we're talking about forgiveness, we're actually talking about inserting goodness into human affairs. And so let's think about this for a second. When we pray for others' forgiveness, one of the things we do is we experience the goodness of God. I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, but the prayer could have been Jesus hanging on the cross. All these things have happened to him. His friends have betrayed him. He uh, has been handed over by his own religious leaders, and as they have used the political mechanisms of the day to silence him, and he could have said, I forgive you. And that would have been a big deal. That's not what he prays, though, is it? I've never thought of it this way. The prayer is what? Father, forgive them. And who's the them? This has been a question that's been asked a, a lot. Is it uh, the, the two thieves on each side of him? Is it the religious leaders who handed him over? It, is it the political mechanism that made it possible? Is it the people standing around? Is it, does it extend to all of us? And I tend to go to that extreme, that this is a prayer that was intended to be a blanket over a lot and over a lot of people, to extend to us, to bring us into the capacity of God's goodness so that we could pray, pray this prayer even over ourselves to find forgiveness from, from God, through God, through Christ, which may be the toughest of all. Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, because he knew he needed to draw on a source bigger than human capacity. That forgiveness is, a, is about something bigger um, than, than we have. This is above our pay grade. This is not something we can do out of our own strength. And trying to do so is sort of like trying to put out a fire with a little teaspoon of water when God's grace is an ocean. There is something to draw on here, and we don't have to do it ourselves. I wonder sometimes if we get hung up on forgiveness because we feel like we need to feel it before we pray it, but Jesus prayed it before he felt it, I think. He was able to draw on something bigger than himself. It is, it is grounded, forgiveness is grounded in God's goodness. It is work that we can place into God's hands. I hear people say sometimes, I'm trying to be a good person. Or in conflict, we sometimes say, I'm trying to be the better person, the bigger person. And maybe we've all said that. It, uh, you hear yourself say that, right? I'm trying to be the better person. It, because it still is 
sort of in human terms. But praying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, puts it into God's hands. It's trusting God's grace to do what only God can do. It is making this exchange, it's been called, in fact, the divine exchange. Jesus has prayed this prayer for us when we couldn't pray it for ourselves. John Wesley offers this prayer that is in this vein. O God, seeing as there is in Christ Jesus an infinite fullness of all that we could want or desire, may we all receive from him grace upon grace, grace to pardon our sins and subdue our iniquities, to justify our persons and to sanctify our souls and to complete that holy change, that divine exchange, that is the renewal of our hearts, which will enable us to be transformed into the blessed image in which you created us. Oh, make us all acceptable to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of light. When we pray for forgiveness, we're entering into a goodness that is bigger than, than us. We're inserting God's goodness into human affairs. There's another thing that happens. There's another level of goodness. When we pray for others' forgiveness, we experience not only God's goodness, but we also recognize the goodness of others, which is completely contrary to human nature, isn't it? When we're wronged, what we naturally do is see the other person and define them by those actions. We, we kind of put people in a black and white category, good or bad, so you, now you're on the side of bad, and you're on the side of evil, and it dehumanizes them in some way. We only see their faults. It makes it easier for us to harbor hate and retaliate and have a reason to do so. Greg Boyle said, the wrong idea has taken root in the world, and the idea is that there just might be lives out there that matter less than other lives. Forgiveness is a chance to break that cycle. It's a chance for us to see other people through a different lens. You may know the story of Presidents John Adams and Thomas Jefferson had a rift and their relationship. They were actually really close. They were both um, signers of the Declaration of Independence and actually described as the voice and the pen of the Declaration of Independence and then um, went to France and were ambassadors in France together and were very close and then came back to the United States. John Adams was a vice president and then became president and then Thomas Jefferson was his, his vice president. I got that right. That's not in Hamilton, is it? I, I don't, okay, so. Uh, anyway, and, and Thomas Jefferson didn't do the vice president job the way John Adams did. He wasn't supportive. He was his own person. He was trying to become president himself and, of course, eventually was. And by the end of Adams' presidency, the two had gone in completely different directions, and that went on for years. And it wasn't until a friend of theirs, another signer of the Declaration of Independence, Dr. Benjamin Rush, encouraged Adams to reach out to Jefferson. Adams is the one who felt wronged. Jefferson uh, was the one who had been in the wrong as far as Adams was concerned, and yet he, he did take the advice, and he wrote a New Year's note to Jefferson, simply praying for him to have health and prosperity in the year ahead, and it began their healing. Someone asked Adams why he did that, and this is what he said. I do not believe that Mr. Jefferson ever hated me, on the contrary, I believe he always liked me. Then he wished to be president of the United States, and I stood in his way. So he did everything he could to pull me down. And then this is the best part. 
But if I should quarrel with him for that, I might quarrel with everybody. <laughs> I might quarrel with every man I have ever had anything to do with in my life. This is human nature. Forgiveness is about resetting our expectations of each other. Of course we want each other to be good, but we're going to have to admit that we're all human. When I was, um, it was probably a, a, in the pandemic, we're sort of right as we were getting back out and going to meetings um, in person, I went to a, a church meeting. And you know what's annoying about church meetings is that we don't always just get down to business. Sometimes we have like devotions or spiritual formation or, you know, a sermon or communion or prayer at the beginning of that that sets the, the course of it. Uh, and it is really annoying at times uh, when you just kind of want to press on. And um, so I was in this church meeting, and, and you know, sometimes pastors don't get preached to. We, we, had, a, we had a message. And the, the pastor, uh, a man that I've known for, for many years, um, said, you know, as I was thinking about us gathering, we've all been through a lot, and I'm guessing that some of you have been beaten up in the last year or so. And of course, that's not just pastors. That's all of us, right? And he said, so I, I want to talk about forgiveness today. And then he asked this question. So as we begin, I want, I, want to, I want to ask this question. Who do you need to forgive for not being God? Dang it. I was ready to go get a drink or go to the restroom or be anywhere else. Who do you need to forgive for not being God? Jesus prayed for Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that pretty much true of all of us? We really don't know what we're doing, even when we do it. And even when it's wrong, it's not an excuse. Who do we need for, to forgive? Who do you need to forgive for not being God? Because when we forgive others, we release them from a standard of perfection and that's unrealistic and allow them to be people. We stop expecting them to be God and we remember that they are made in God's image nevertheless and that the truest thing about them is not the thing that they did to you. The truest thing about them is that they are children of God. And ultimately in that process we discover another goodness, another surprise along the way. We discover God's goodness, we discover the goodness of others and that goodness in ourselves. That should have been a simple fix. It doesn't work if it's not plugged in. Right, Joel? No, it's rare. We discover the goodness that's in ourselves. When others hurt us, it's easy to nurse those wounds, isn't it? This might be the hardest part of all. We cling to grudges. We stay outraged about it. It's easy for us to define ourselves as the offended one, as the wounded one, as the person who is the victim. And when we forgive, we give up the right to be the victim. I heard someone say the hardest part about forgiveness is that when we offer it, something has to die. And it's this version of ourselves, the wrong one, the false self, the one that we would have every right to hold on to except for that nagging little reality that God's grace trumps everything else and because Jesus revealed a better way. Henry Nouwen says this about forgiveness. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. When we forgive a person, the memory of the wound might stay with us for a long time. But forgiveness changes the way we remember. It converts curse into blessing. When we forgive, we are 
no, we no longer have to experience ourselves as the victims of events that we have no control over. Forgiveness allows us to claim our own power and not let these events destroy us, enables them to become events that deepen the wisdom of our hearts. Viktor Frankl talks about coming to this point of forgiveness as a, a prisoner in Nazi uh, concentration camps. Uh, Viktor Frankl, who was a psychologist and who survived in some ways by taking the whole experience of the Holocaust and saying, if I'm going to survive, I'm going to be able to use this to help people afterwards. And so wrestling with how to, to, to rise to that moment, essentially, and watching all of the, the, the pain and the destruction around him, the death of so many, he realized that he had control over nothing in his life except one thing. And the, the control that he had was how, how he would respond in the space between the thing that happened to him and then what he did about it. And in that space was everything. In fact, that's the one thing any of us ever have control over, is what we do in that space. And forgiveness is inserting goodness, God's goodness, ultimately, in, into that space. This is the one thing that we can do. And it's our privilege and our responsibility. It is our work to do and is what changes the world, seen most clearly in Jesus, but also seen through us because of him. Final story, on May 13th, 1981, Pope John Paul II was riding uh, through St. Peter Square in Vatican City and a man shot four times and hit him twice in the abdomen at close range. He lost a lot of blood, but he survived. The man, his attacker, Mehmet Ali Akka, fled the scene but was later captured and then was sentenced to life in prison. And he never expressed any remorse for, for his actions. Two years later, the Pope visited Mr. Akka at, um, in, in prison. We don't know what he said. He didn't allow anybody close enough to hear the conversation. But we have some pictures of, of that meeting where the Pope greeted him and then as they were departing this next picture of Mr. Aka showing a sign of respect in his culture to the Pope. The Pope could have remained in that prison of his um, of his bitterness but you see this last picture this is Mr. Aka 30 years later after Pope John Paul II had died on the day of his release with a dozen white roses, which he took the first thing that he did in his release to the Pope's grave. Pope John Paul II said, the second said this, forgiveness is the restoration of freedom to oneself. It is the key held in our own hand to our own prison cell. When we forgive others, not only does God's goodness flow through us, it is released into the world. Our freedom invites others to find freedom. Jesus died free. Strangely enough, the irony of the cross is the one that could have had the grudge gave it up for us. And that, of course, was seen immediately. One of those right next to him, one of the prisoners, turns to him, and what does he say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom that kingdom was experienced through the words of Jesus on the cross. I'm going to guess that there were others along the way. In fact, there might be others today who, out of that story, find 
the ability to forgive in their own. And Jesus gives us the words. We don't have to make up the prayer. And it can be simple and straightforward. We can pray it before we feel it. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Jesus gives us the words. So we're going to take a moment. uh, Here in in a second, we're going to pray the prayers of the people and pray for us as individuals and pray for us as a church and then pray for our world kind of at three different levels and there'll be a responsive element for each of us and then we'll continue in worship. But just here here for a moment, uh, let's have a moment of silence. And as you bow your head and close your eyes, reflect first on God's forgiveness offered to you through Jesus Christ, that we forgive because we've been forgiven, because we enter a goodness that is bigger than our human ability. That those words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, have echoed through the ages, through history, into this very room. They apply to us. Perhaps in these moments you need to pray the prayer, Father, forgive me because I didn't know what I was doing. And maybe in these moments you need to hear these words spoken over you, these words that are so true in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. That there is a grace big enough to overcome all evil and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves in us and around us. Maybe in these moments you need to extend this prayer to someone else. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive him for he didn't know what he was doing. Father, forgive her for she didn't know what she was doing. Maybe you need to offer that prayer whether you feel it yet or not. Whether you're there yet or not. Maybe you need in these moments just to have the courage to want to pray those words. And to place all of the questions into God's hands. And to rest in God's goodness. God, we offer these prayers to you and the prayers of the people trusting in that very goodness revealed to us in Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died and who was raised to show the extent of that love and the depth of your forgiveness. And we continue in our prayer now that that may rest in us that we might linger here in your goodness together through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.